Mac Jones is ripped. Matt Patricia is calling plays. The Celtics are title favorites. And The Ringer has a new Boston show. I'm Brian Barrett, host of Off the Pike, the show covering all things Boston sports. I'll have shows multiple times a week covering your favorite teams and with your favorite Ringer and local guests. Plus, maybe Bill will stop by to rant about the Sox. Follow Off the Pike with me, Brian Barrett, now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Ringer Gambling Show. This is Warren Sharp, joined by Joe House, my partner, as always on these Friday shows. We're going to dive deep into the upcoming slate of games. Got a good weekend in store for us, some interesting matchups. I think it's really going to be fun. But first, House, let's talk about the week that was and the season that it's been so far in 2022. What do you got for us on the trends front? Well, well, Sharpie, um, I'm going to get to the trends, but I want to talk about the season that we are in right the second, which is cold weather season. Buddy, I'm in, oh, yeah. a, I'm in the quarter zip. I've got the vest. You got the hoodie. If the good people listening to the podcast could see us, like, we do some video clips sometimes from this podcast. The, the, the weather has changed like literally one day. It was like, you know, yep. in the, in the 80s, uh, midweek here on the East Coast and, and now officially fall weather, the, the crisp air. I am so ready to do some fall eating. I've been really going slow, but you know, it's wing season. It's nacho season. It's football season, baby. Two weeks under our, our belt, still very small, small sample size. A couple things jumping off the page. Trends wise, unders to the windows, to the walls. Nobody wants to hear me do that, right? Get low. I, I'm, I'm fine with inserting. Uh, Get low. Yeah, Get low. Through 32 games this season, the under is 22 and 10. It's the best start for the under since 1996. Um, and there are a bunch of teams that I, I'm mentally circling now. Like when I see... Um, the matchups like, oh, that's an under, that's an under, that's an under only two weeks in like Tampa feels like an under every week. Uh, the bears feel like an under green Bay is an under green Bay and Tampa are playing each other. Do I hammer the, that kind of thing? Pittsburgh, except for when they fumble in the end zone at the last play of the game, 
Now that that total moved a bunch. That's Thursday night's game last night. Uh, I'm very eager to see Kenny Pickett play Pittsburgh, uh, play quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Trubisky, uh, I thought there was some semblance of an opportunity for a backdoor cover in last night's, the Thursday night football game between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then I watched Mitchell Trubisky in the entire fourth quarter, and there is no backdoor cover coming from uh, the Mitch boy. So um, congrats to, to Pittsburgh. They're going to have their quarterback of the future on the field sooner rather than later, which I think we're thrilled by. But uh, yeah, change some outcomes. Um, that fumble in the end zone at the end of the game. Um, and, you know, other, other sorts of trends out there. This is something that's been a, a theme on this podcast for a couple of years. The, the short dogs, um, you know, underdogs off a straight up loss when the line is six or fewer. That trend went three and one in week two. There are a bunch of games uh, on this week's slate. One, two, three, four, five, six of those. Uh, and, and Pittsburgh fit that um, scenario as well and, and did not cover. But that covers at about a two-thirds rate. So just keep an eye on it. We'll mention it in the context of the games that are interesting to us. I just as is always the the case. Want to give a quick pat on the back. Week two was good to us on this podcast. We did a great job with a Steelers-Panthers teaser. Steelers were at the Patriots. The Pats were favored by more than a field goal. The Panthers were at the Giants, and the Giants also uh, favored by, well, we we took the lines up is the way what we did. We got them up to eight and a half in both of those games, um, and it came through. Just fine. We liked Tampa last week against uh, the Saints. And we spent some time talking about that Minnesota-Philadelphia Monday night football game. We were trying to forecast what version of Kirk Cousins we were going to get. Um, Sharpie, we got the old Kirk Cousins. We got the disappointing Kirk Cousins. We got the prime time, scared by the lights Kirk Cousins. Yeah, but we'll talk about how that could benefit us this week. Ooh, I love it. Yes, contrary. And that there is a whole bunch of opportunity in this week three slate it feels like where we might be able to go contrary and i hope people listen to the rabbit hole that we took them down last week with that falcons rams you had some great numbers in that falcons rams game and the falcons they just hang around and i'm looking at that card they're on the road in seattle and it's just you know until it doesn't even feel like that falcons offense has really gotten rolling but man i just i'm not going to, to go too heavy against the Falcons. The Falcons continue to impress me. Let's start off, though, by talking about the big boy games for the week. Um, the Falcons and the Seahawks, not, not a big boy game. Um, I have posted here as the top game on the slate, the, the Buffalo Bills at the Miami Dolphins. You, I mean, uh, Tampa and Green Bay, that's kind of, that's, that's the OG. That's an old school. That's two guys in their 40s, two quarterbacks in their 40s. Let's talk about these young boys. Let's talk about Josh Allen and Tua. We have the Bills as the top team in everybody's power ranking after the amazing job that they've done through two weeks. Now, this is a divisional uh, game on the road for the Bills. I, I, I wanted to say kind of it's maybe their first real challenge, except for going to Los Angeles in week one and beating the crap out of the Rams. That's a sizable challenge, and they were up to it. This game um, with with Miami is so intriguing on so many fronts. The number right now, I think at this second, is is Buffalo by five and a half. I think it was higher than that, but sharp money must be coming in on Miami. 
The total's 52 and, and a half. The only sort of angle I have is possibly, speaking of unders, an underplay. But we'll go through that rationale in a second. How are you sizing this game up? Talk to me about the rationale of the underplay. Well, the, the, it, it's really a function of two elements. Most of the points that the Miami Dolphins have scored in this NFL football season occurred in the fourth quarter against the Baltimore Ravens last week. They had 38 points in seven quarters and then 28 points in one quarter. So if you're just sort of mapping out, you know, they're, they're an explosive play offense. They're, um, they, they can be quick hitter from what we saw against Baltimore, the way they took advantage of that depleted secondary. Um, but it, it's more opportunistic. On the other side, the Bills defense has been outrageously good. And, you know, you're, it, it fit our mind's eye to see them shut down Tannehill and the lack of weapons in Tennessee. But if I love Bills, how you say Tannehill. It sounds like you say Tannehill. <laughs> he's, it doesn't. I don't he, need, he should change his name to Tannehill because that's actually sure, better. I like. I don't better. need to get his name right anymore. He's not going to be a quarterback in this league for much longer. No, so. I, I like the way you pronounce it. I don't think you're getting it wrong. I think that's just a good, like a fun pronunciation of his name. Well, it's already derailed. I'm not derailed. Uh, what they did against the Rams, this Bills defense, that's the thing that, so they, they put on a great performance against the Rams. They had a perfect game plan for Sean McVay and the weapons there. Then they came back and validated it. Now they had a ton of rest to validate against the Titans and the Titans are a one trick pony and that pony is dead. I'm sorry for, for Derek Henry. Um, you know, he, he a, a wonderful, wonderful career, a wonderful fantasy player. He, he gone. I mean, there is no scenario under which we, we see this uh, Titans team. This is a moribund Titans team. This is a Titans team who um, should be, I, I think, in the in the top five of this NFL draft, top four, top five. Um, but so you know, a, a tremendous Bills defensive performance against them. Great. Uh, the Bills have only given up uh, 10 points and then seven points. That's the, the thought process for why an under could be at play here. Okay. So my opinion only totally disagree. Great. Let's talk about it though. This is this is what makes this is what makes the show fun is when there are some disagreements. So you mentioned that Bills Rams game. Cooper Cup caught 13 of 15 targets for 128 yards and one tutty and scorched this Bills secondary. But the Rams really had no other receiving threats that Stafford was comfortable with in addition to the fact that Stafford himself with the elbow injury like there was question marks surrounding that. And for whatever reason, Sean McVay was doing nothing but run the ball on first down. He literally in the first three quarters had like a 60% run rate on first downs that set the team up always for second and long. But their number two target was a tight end who caught only five of 11 targets against this Bills defense, who's not bad against tight ends. And their number three target was a running back. So they weren't exploiting other wide receivers and Cup touched them. Last week, we're talking about a Tennessee Titans team that has no wide receivers. Literally, their number one wide receiver in the game was a true rookie playing in his second game in Traylon Burks, who was playing with the number twos at points during camp because he wasn't picking up the offense quickly enough. But they have no weapons at the wide receiver position because of the way that they've built this team and decisions they chose to make this past offseason. When I'm looking at the Miami Dolphins, that's not the case for them whatsoever. I'm also then factoring in, what is this Bill's secondary going to look like? We already know they're without CB1 Tredavious White. Yeah. 
His replacement, Dane Jackson, was strapped to a backboard. Thankfully, he's out of the hospital. But that was on Monday. I mean, I know that he's like listed, I think, as questionable or um, was was up until this week. We haven't seen the Friday practice report yet. But like some people are talking about he he might play. I would be shocked if that were to happen. Both starting safeties, I don't think, have played practiced at all this week. Poyer is dealing with like, I think, a foot or a lower body, lower leg injury. Micah Hyde hurt his neck himself and also went to the hospital after the game. Um, they have to travel down to Miami. So that's less time to be hanging around at home to make a last minute decision as to whether you can play or not. You got to get on a plane and go down there. Um, and so this secondary is just in shambles right now. And now you're going up against the Miami Dolphins who run around a ton. Their receivers have cover so much distance when they're running. Your secondary has to be really well in game shape to be able to deal with them and really experience as to what to do. And I just don't know that the Bills are there in their secondary from a health perspective. Then you look at the other side of the ball, and it's hard not to think that the Buffalo Bills are going to have success against this defense because it's a schematic advantage to the Bills every time they go up against the Dolphins. Miami plays one of the highest rates of man coverage in the NFL. They also play they also blitz at the second highest rate of any defense. And what makes matters worse for them is that they get pressure at the second lowest rate of any defense. That is a horrible combination to blitz at the second highest rate and record pl- pressure at the second lowest rate. You're going to be terrible when that happens, which is why Lamar Jackson absolutely carved them up. Against the blitz this year, Josh Allen ranks number one in sack to interception ratio, number two in first down rate, number three in touchdowns thrown, number four in success rate, number five in yards per attempt, and number six in EPA per attempt. I mean, we're going one, two, three, four, five, six down the list. He is outstanding. He's also top 10 against man coverage. Bottom line, what Miami wants to do defensively does not work against Josh Allen, but that's what they continue to utilize. And That is why Miami has gone 0-7 in these games in the last seven of them. That is why the Buffalo Bills are scoring an average of an insane 37 points per game in those seven games against the Miami Dolphins. Um, I just think it's a bad matchup bottom line, but I do think that the Miami Dolphins are going to be aggressive and going to take advantage of this secondary. And they do still pass at a pretty high rate, unlike some of the other, like Kyle Shanahan's offense passes at a lower rate. The Dolphins are still passing at a pretty high rate, which was a concern for me when Mike uh, McDaniel came there. It was like, well, he's coming from San Francisco. Is he going to bring this run first mentality? Or is he just going to bring the creative yards after the catch, get receivers open in space mentality. And that's exactly what he's brought is the ladder. This team uh, has very low percentage of targets that are going to receivers that are covered in tight window throws. Tua went from the highest rate in the NFL of tight window throws in 2021 of 19.3% down to 8.4%, which is fifth lowest in the NFL, thanks to being in this Mike McDaniel offense. They're Yak has increased tremendously. Um, bottom line, this this is just a fun offense that's gaining production from these receivers. And now they're going up against a Bills secondary that's beat up. So the Bills defense is number one. And that should scare you if you're looking to back the Dolphins and what you just mentioned, that they start slow and now they're going up against the best defense in the NFL. My point is simply this. The Bills haven't been tested as much defensively. The one wide receiver that they played that was dynamic absolutely torched them. Now their secondary is in worse situation. 
I like the over here. I actually like the over. It's 52 and a half points, which seems really high for a divisional game featuring the number one defense in the NFL. But I think it's high for a reason, and I do like the over. Yeah, okay. I I, I love all of this, and you're actually sort of talking me more into a side than a play on, on the total. Um, do you factor in anything in terms of just the the weather circumstances um, down there in Miami? The fact that you know this will be, you know, the L.A. Uh, when when um, Buffalo kicked off the season, perfectly, you know, lovely weather, and then fine weather um, for their home opener against Tennessee on on Monday night. The heat and humidity, you know, this is like an early season home field advantage for the Dolphins kind of a scenario. Um, do you factor that in as you sort of assess, you know, t- a total outcome? I have not. Um, I, I don't know that at this point it is enough of a factor. Um, yeah. We're talking about, I want to say game time temps here. Uh, let me go to it. game time temps. We're doing this on the fly. Yeah, I mean, temperature is supposed to be 83 to 84 degrees at kickoff. It's supposed to feel like 96 to 97 degrees. I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, the, I think I saw the statistic from Next Gen Stats that the re- defensive backs for the Baltimore Ravens had to cover more ground, and it was by a large margin, than yes. any other secondary had to cover right. because of the routes and the frequency that this uh, offense generates, especially when they're playing in catch-up come from behind mode. So, I mean, that could be a factor, especially if you got guys up there in the secondary that aren't playing well. Pay attention to the Friday practice report here uh, and the final injury report for the Buffalo Bills. That's going to be very important to see today. We already know Tredavious White is a huge loss, but he's been out for the first couple of games anyways. Can't come back until, I think, the week after next. But the rest of these guys, if they're down one or, or God forbid, two of them, like if they're down one of these starting safeties, that's going to be a massive problem because I really do think White's replacement in Dane Jackson is not going to be up. Yeah, I wanted to come in and say this is that the Bills are a, a, a one of the until further notice teams where you just bet on them no matter what the line is because they go out and kick ass. They pulverize everybody. They might go 20 and 0. But the reason that I hit the pause button is because of that weather. And I did see an inkling of, of you know, potential, uh, um, you know, injury in, in, in the secondary. And I'm just worried enough about the possibility of a backdoor cover from Tua. The line at five and a half is just nowhere, nowheresville anyway. It doesn't feel like there's value one way or the other. But I'm concerned enough about a, a Tua backdoor cover because of those weapons. And especially like 96 degrees, end of the game, depleted secondary. We just watched this in, in Baltimore. And the Dolphins scored 28 points and grabbed a game. Yeah, the only good news uh, it looks like is it's going to be a cloudy day down there. So, okay. you know, Miami definitely loves to stick the visiting team on the sun side of the field with their dark jerseys on, but it is supposed to be cloudy. So it's going to feel warm, but it's going to be cloudy. Well, uh, let's talk about another Florida game. And this, uh, in in other times in our lives, would have been a top-notch kind of marquee game. Um these teams in the NFC are both still at the top of the odds board in terms of, you know, projected to win the NFC conference. The Buccaneers make sense to me. They are minus one and a half at home against Green Bay. The total of this game is 41 and a half. The problem with this matchup is the Buccaneers continue to have outrageous injury uh, challenges across the board. 
Mike Evans suspension didn't help anything. Um, and, uh, on the other side of the, of, of, of the coin, Green Bay, um, you know, just uh, personnel wise, uh, at, at the skill positions, um, again, receiver continues to be gigantic question mark. We haven't seen Aaron Rodgers really get comfortable with anybody yet. And for, for whatever reason, Green Bay was, uh, touted as having improved its run defense. It's been a known sore spot for the Green Bay Packers for a couple of years now. And their run defense stinks again. They're, they're, you know, bottom uh, five, bottom six. And so I think we're going to see a lot of touchdown Lenny coming into this game. I don't know why the Buccaneers are favored by less than two and a half. The one and a half, like wh- where'd that point go? I'm not sure I understand it. it. I guess it's the injuries, but like, is there that big of a difference between the Buccaneers receiving core and the Green Bay receiving core? I don't know. Cole Beasley's in the house, Sharpie. How are you sizing this game up? Well, I think both of these receiving cores are really banged up. And this is why, again, it's so crazy. We've only played two weeks, House. And what in the world is going on with these injury reports? I, it, I think literally everybody but Romeo Dobbs did not practice for the Packers wide receiving core yesterday. All the guys that caught passes last week, the only guy that practiced was Dobbs. Um, everybody else missed practice for one reason or another, including Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and go down the list. So I don't know what's going on with their receiving court either, but let's start with the Buck side of things. What's so fascinating to me is really the switch that had to flip for Tampa Bay this year. When they were, when Tom Brady first went down there in 2020 and they won the Super Bowl. On early downs, the first three quarters, this was the fifth most pass-heavy team in the NFL. They had a 62% pass rate. The next year in 2021, they cranked that up even further. They had the second highest pass rate at 65%. This year, they're down to 49%, which ranks 27th. This team does not have a healthy offensive line. This team does not have healthy receivers, so they've had to rely more on Leonard Fournette. Now, they just went up against one of the better run defenses in the NFL who really knows how to play. This team has a lot of familiarity and success in terms of the Saints playing the Bucs, and the Saints do pretty well. And they limited Leonard Fournette to some extent, but they still gave him like 24 carries, I believe. Uh, I think he had like 65, 66 rushing yards in that game. So not a good average, but they kept running the ball because they did not want Brady to drop back a billion times behind this line with no real great wide receiving talent out there on the field. Um, Here's the good thing. Just you alluded to it. The Green Bay Packers have the worst run defense in the NFL against early down running back runs. This defense absolutely stinks, which is why it is funny against the run, which is why it is funny, you know, in the offseason. Well, they, they've really improved. This is the best defense in the NFL potentially. And, and so they're going to be like a much better team this year because their defense is going to be better. And so Aaron Rodgers is not going to have to do as much offensively uh, because the defense is going to be better and just shows how volatile defense can be and how tricky it is. Now, this small sample size is only two weeks have gone by. But right now they rank number 32 in EPA per attempt to early down running back runs, number 31 in success rate, number 30 in yards before contact per rush, allowing two yards per contact per rush. And they're ranked 29th in yards per carry overall at 6.2. So I think this actually plays really well into what the Bucs are going to be looking to do, which is run Leonard Fournette. Um, So I think that they will have some success in running playoff Lenny, whatever we want to call Lenny uh, this week. Now, An interesting element here is 
with and without Mike Evans. So when Mike Evans is not on the field, this was the last two years, you know, when Brady had Rob Gronkowski and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, all these other receiving threats that are great, right? Like really good receiving threats. Mike Evans, just pluck him off the field, stick him on the bench, stick him in the stands, wherever you want to stick him. He's not on the field. Brady's averaging 61.6% completions and 6.7 yards per attempt, despite being able to throw the ball to Gronk and Godwin and Brown. Now those guys aren't there. And so, and you now have plucked Mike Evans and stuck him on the sideline for this game due to that suspension. That's going to be even worse for Tom Brady. Those passing averages may come down beyond what those terrible numbers are. Uh, so I think they're going to have to try to run the ball. But in order to do that, they have to keep the game close. And this is why we get into this interesting dynamic of strength of schedule. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the have a very good defense, but they played the number two easiest schedule of offenses so far. The Green Bay Packers have a very good offense, but they've played the number one easiest schedule of defenses, particularly against the pass, the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. So it's this Green Bay has been great offensively, but they haven't played anybody good defensively. And Tampa Bay's defense has been good, but they haven't played any good offense. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to line up uh, with itself. But overall, the, the, the last stat, the greatest stat of this game, in my opinion, is just this crazy dynamic that you wouldn't think of when you're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They rank dead last in the NFL in early down efficiency, and the Packers rank number one. That's mm. going to be really interesting to see what happens here. The Bucs, only 17.9% of their early downs convert a first down. The Packers, 33.6% of their early downs convert a first down. Packers, number one. Bucks, number 32. Not surprising when, when I shared all that information about the Bucs. They're passing the ball at a much lower rate. They're running it more that inherently is going to lower your ability to skip third downs. And then when Tom Brady is dropping back, he doesn't have the protection, so he can't throw as deep, and he does not have the receivers that he trusts as much, so the passes aren't as effective, uh, which combined has lowered them to the worst early down offense in the NFL. You, you really are talking me into a game script where we see maybe like a super fast game because it, it and, and by fast, I mean, the actual time on on the actual clock that goes by because these two teams will be out trying to, to run the ball, even though we have two Hall of Fame dynamic uh, quarterbacks, you know, le legends out there, passers of, of the football. And the reason I'm wondering about that game script and putting it to you this way is just because of, of some of the things um, that you've hit on in terms of uh, the diminished um, aerial uh, uh, capacity the 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 total is forty one and a half. That is a low total. That's I bet that's that's the lowest total of any time that these two guys have gone up against each other. I don't have it's that. Crazy, but that's not a stat that I'm throwing out there. But right, it's it's crazy, and and even even with that low number, I still feel like an an under total. I mean. The, the the Green Bay, you mentioned, they went up against the, the bad Vikings defense. They scored seven points against that bad Vikings defense. I mean, and I know that was week week one, but do we really think that Green Bay, their offense got healthy against the Bears? I, I don't think that, uh, especially at, at, at Lambeau. So, man, I, I'm prepared to play the under. I'm 41 and a half. I, this game feels like, again, what we just saw between the Saints and, and, the, and the Bucks, 20 to 10 you know, 17-7, like I just don't see a ton of points out there. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
have a great defense, number two in the NFL, number one against the pass, but they have not been tested. They've played the number two easiest schedule of offenses, the Cowboys and the Saints. You look at the Green Bay Packers, they have one of the best offenses in the NFL, and I'll show you by a certain metric, their number one best offense. But they've played two of the worst defenses in the NFL, the number 30 Vikings and the number 27 Bears. So you got a defense that looks great but hasn't been tested, an offense that looks great that hasn't been tested. Um, but just by the numbers, I was shocked to see this, just the dichotomy here between these two. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now rank dead last in early down efficiency. And the Green Bay Packers rank number one in the NFL in early down efficiency. We're talking the offensive side of the football here. You got a big contrast in matchups here. Packers have avoided third downs at the highest rate. The Bucs have entered third downs at the highest rate. Uh, it does, not all that surprising. We talked about efficiency. We talk about the fact that the Bucs are running the ball more on early downs. And the Bucs aren't as efficient when they're passing the ball because they don't have that protection, nor do they have the wide receivers. So it's really no surprise that they're not great. But the fact that they're dead last in the NFL was a little bit surprising to me. Um, and that the fact that the Packers are number one, even better than the Chiefs, likewise was surprising to me. So um, I do think we're going to have a lot of running and a lot of uh, slower pace here. I think the Packers are going to run the ball at a fairly high rate. I think the Bucks are going to run the ball at a fairly high rate. It does lead to the clock ticking. My model ran the computer model this week, did find value in the under. That was obviously back at like 45 and a half. Now we're talking numbers down to 41, 42. It is crazy. And what also is crazy house, I think you mentioned like, wow, how is, how is the total this low for these guys? I'll throw out those numbers really quick. They met twice last year. The totals were 55 and 53. The last time they met prior to that Brady versus Rogers, the total was 56. The last time they met prior to that was all the way back in 2014. And the total was 57 and a half. Now in these three games, sorry, in these four games, they've gone under in three of the four, but setting a total all the way down here at 45, 46, and then having it sit now currently at 42 is just wildly low compared to what we think about when we think of these teams having total set in the mid to upper fifties, the last four times that they've played. Well, then it feels like it's just a stay away. Then, I'd, you know, maybe I, uh, an under at that 45 level or so, but down in the 41 or, or, or 42, um, there's there's no precedent for the version of these two teams, these two offenses that we can point to and say, yes, this is how we can uh, draw some reasonable conclusions about how to forecast the game script here. We're talking about game scripts that that feature um, heavy runs from from two of the, the best arms in the history of the game. So let's just move on. How about that? Uh, and now, I'm by the way, do- breaking news, breaking news here. Micah Hyde out. We just talked about that. We record this on a Friday morning. And luckily, I had internet connectivity issues and was able to uh, stay on long enough to see that potentially a big day for the set, the uh, offense and, and for Tua once again, he's going to need it because Josh Allen is going to be putting the pedal to the metal to try to score enough points here to keep his defense afloat. Well, you had talked me almost all the way out of my under position. Now I'm all the way off of it. Do I take 10 seconds to go ahead and fire now on the total before it jumps? Because it's 52 and a half. 
Uh, is it moving on your board? You have the live board in it front is. of you. Yeah, I got the live. I got the live board. It's barely moving. It's up okay. to fifty three. I, I would go fifty two and a half. I, I'm I'm thinking of doubling down on this game myself. I already have it at a better number, but look at uh, that. I'm thinking of doubling down on this one in service of the people. Listen, you know this pod will be up if you can grab a, a good number. Get get on it. Love when we can break the the news as it develops. Sharpie. Hey, hey, betting buddies. Let's talk about this FanDuel no sweat first bet. Get free bets back if you don't win. Football season's underway. Duh. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. I have to ask why you haven't done so already. But look, right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. You sign up with the promo code GAMBLERS, G-A-M-B-L-E-R-S. I can't believe I'm saying this as a fan of the Washington football team, the Washington C-Words. I absolutely adore Dallas this week. I love this Dallas-New York Giants game because one of those two teams is going to lose, so that makes me very happy. But I really like Dallas. Their defense, I think, is super formidable. We haven't seen anything very exciting out of Daniel Jones and the Giants, although they have gutted their way to a couple wins. Hats off to Brian Dayball and the crew. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to the point spreads to player props. You can look at live betting. With live betting, you're getting updated odds on games that have already started. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So easy, even a house can use it. And you get paid your winnings fast. Sign up today, promo code GAMBLERS, for your no sweat first bet, make every moment more this season with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Quick disclaimer you have to be 21 years old or older in select states. The first online real money wager only. Refund issued as is non withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in the following states, Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. In Arizona, you can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. The Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789. Wyoming, you call 1-800-522-4700. Or if you're in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. There isn't any real intrigue or news with a game that I have slotted in here as the third possible marquee game um, in terms of, of availability of personnel. It's just insane that a divisional matchup between Detroit, the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings is um, one of the most intriguing games on the slate. Like, I don't know if we uh, sat down and looked at the weeks uh, before the, the, the season started and started circling games. Oh, what do you think we're going to be interested in? I don't know where this one would have ranked. It definitely would not have ranked as one of the top three. But here we are because that Detroit Lions offense is so dynamic and Ben Johnson deserves so much credit. And they annihilated my Washington C-words on Sunday. They were up 22 to nothing before Washington got its first first down. Now, that's a a combo of uh, the, the, the Washington defense being ill-prepared for what Detroit was going to throw at them, and then also the, the slow start for the Washington uh, offense. Detroit's getting five and a half points at Minnesota. The total is 52 and a half. Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. Now, actually, I feel like the fair thing to do is to draw a big, bright distinction between the Minnesota defense, the Minnesota special teams, and what Kirk Cousins did to uh, really sabotage the ability of the Minnesota Vikings to mount any kind of comeback. The defense produced interceptions. The defense produced a, a, a block. Uh, was it punt or field goal? And in both of those instances, that you could see the players for Minnesota trying to score uh, because you know and we're filling in blanks here. It felt like in the back of their minds they knew that their quarterback was going to make a mistake. He threw interceptions. I, he threw two interceptions, Darius Slay, in, in, in the red zone. Uh, an all-time pathetic performance by uh, Kirk Cousins. The, 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 the Vikings uh, and, 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 and Lions look like they're just going to come out and throw points up all over the football field. Um, do we jump on that total, 52 and a half? So this is interesting because the one time that you want to back Kirk Cousins is in a spot like this. I know it was difficult. I know there were some people that liked him against the spread. I didn't like him against the spread last week against the Eagles, but that was a difficult game. They played in prime time. He's a laughing stock of the league. Everybody's pointing at him, mocking him, you know, laughing at him, memeing the hell out of him. Uh, and now he's playing against the darling, the, 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 what I would consider this year, the America's team. I mean, screw, screw the Cowboys. The hard knocks heroes. This is, this is kind of America's team, at least amongst like a lot of the people who watched hard knocks and and love what they saw. And, but this is the time that the Vikings have done well because of their home field after a road loss at home, the Vikings are 23 and nine straight up 25 and seven ATS since 2012, by far the best record in the NFL. And they go over a ton in these games, especially of late. Uh, their offense is averaging over 30 points per game the last nine times, seven and two to the over. Last year, they scored over 30 points in each of their games in this situation, scoring 30 against the Seahawks, 36 against the Steelers, and 31 against the Bears. Um, here's the interesting part about this game, House. 
the Lions made a huge schematic shift themselves to play more man coverage this year. Last year, they were playing man at a 19% rate on early downs in the first three quarters. That was 20th in the league. This year, 19% all the way up to 37%. That's the number one most man-heavy team in the league. And this may shock some people, but over the last three years, Kirk Cousins is the number one quarterback in the NFL in EPA per attempt against man coverage and number one in yards per attempt, averaging 9.1 yards per attempt against man coverage. So we got a team like when, when Detroit, admittedly not a high rate, played man last year against Cousins, he averaged plus 0.57 EPA per attempt. And when they played zone last year in the two games against Cousins, minus 0.02 EPA per attempt. So last year alone, he had massive shifts and massive splits when he got to go up against the Lions man coverage versus when he didn't. And now the Lions have shifted heavily into becoming the number one most man covered team. I think that's going to make Kirk look even better in this spot. But on the other side of the ball, the Lions are getting back Frank Rag now. DeAndre Swift should be playing more. He only played 50% of the snaps last week. He was 67% it was enough. week one. It was enough, and he's also practicing enough. more. Uh, so he is going to be out there a little bit more frequently. And look at this Vikings run defense, which schematically sucks, has massive problems. Right now, this team against early down running back runs, not quite as bad as the Packers in some of these metrics, but in other metrics, they are. EPA per attempt, number 32. Yards per carry, they're giving up 5.9. That's 30th. Yards before contact per rush, worse than the Packers at 2.1. And they rank 26th in success rate. So, you know, the, yes, the Lions have played bad run defenses to start the year. It's not like they've been going up against tough ones and now get an easy one. But this run defense should be problematic. I think the Lions should be able to run the ball here, which is why I'm a little bit leery to to jump on board with oh, the Minnesota Vikings. But I okay. do think that we might get some points in this game. Yeah. So uh, 52 and a half is the number. Feel like I'm going to play uh, in, over there. And I do like the notion of Minnesota at home at, at one o'clock, you know, just the, the most... Uh, comfortable Kirk Cousins situation. Um, I like that angle as well. That could be a, pl- a play on my card, the side and, and the total this week. Um, for the Urban Meyer horny dog game of the week, I, I have a new rule. I mean, as the season goes okay. on, we just have to come up with some rules. I'm yeah. not putting the Washington C words in any more horny games for, for the rest of the season. They're, they're not horny, Sharp. The, the C words... Are not horny. I I I, I, I got I got to talk to you about the c words here. I got to ask you a quick question. Go ahead. So I gave Carson Wentz his flowers when this trade happened, and I said that they were going to he was going to be the best quarterback that they have had in a while from a talent perspective. He can do more things and throw the ball better and has better arm talent than any of these quarterbacks that have had for a while. But he makes brain farts and he his, his CPU shuts off and basically he gets like a blue screen of death like on critical situations on third downs in the fourth quarter doesn't know where the pocket pressure is has no presence throws an interception takes a sack like he, he just has these issues that always seem to limit his ability and his upside and I thought that was perfectly fair analysis but I got to tell you the amount of people annoyed from Washington about my takes uh, on Carson Wentz. And even the president of the, the C-Words 
What? Quote tweeted me. The president Jason of the Wright? Jason Wright quote tweeted. He don't tweeted, want this smoke. Hey, he does not want this smoke. And and said that Carson Wentz is doing exactly what we want him to do. And he's he's great and he'll be there for us and he's reliable and dependable and all of these types of things. So (laughs) I think I'm very pragmatic and reasonable in my approach, but I want your quick take just to make sure that I'm not going batshit crazy here on what Carson brings to the table here and what you've noticed. It's a super fair assessment. It's on the money. It is, it it is literally to the, to the uh, letter of, of every sort of observation that you just made entirely accurate. And I appreciate Jason Wright trying to jump in there and defend his guy. He's been in, in the socials, you know, trying to find anybody that says anything bad about Carson and standing up for him. Carson Wentz is good for this team. He is the best quarterback that Washington has had since uh, Alex Smith, but pre-Alex Smith injury. There are a ton of weapons on the offensive side of the ball for Washington. Carson Wentz is not the reason that Washington lost the, the football game uh, against Detroit in Detroit uh, this, this weekend. That, that issue uh, resides squarely and firmly on the defensive side. I think there's no real reason to take umbrage at any of your observations with Carson Wentz. He, 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 he is um, right now by many metrics um, performing quite well by yardage, by touchdown. His accuracy is improved. There's good weapons on the offense. So I'm with you on, on, on your observation. I think it is funny that people get mad. Um, and I think you're being fair, but the problem with Washington is the defense. And until there is uh, uh, that the fear that I have, it's like when we watched Mike Nugent with Dallas a handful of years ago. The game has passed Jack Del Rio by. This is my concern because they were so ill-prepared for what Detroit brought to the table. And I'm very, very concerned. It's a huge stay away. I wasn't prepared to do anything on this Washington-Philadelphia game. First of all, Washington uh, has the single worst home field non-advantage in the entire NFL, it's a disadvantage. There will be 40,000 Eagles fans out in Prince George's County, Maryland this weekend. And on top of that, we already know just the basic fundamental idea that the hardest thing to defend in the NFL for a defense is a mobile quarterback. Well, Jalen Hurts isn't just any old run-of-the-mill mobile quarterback. He's the top mobile quarterback in the entire NFL. And what he showed this past uh, uh, Monday night in terms of passing accuracy is doubly fearsome if you're rooting for the C words like, like I am, but I'm not prepared to do anything on this game. It's a division rivalry. Philadelphia has been beating the Washington's butt pretty handily. Um, But, you know, and and the line is less than a touchdown. So, you know, if I had to uh, make a bet uh, gun to head, I would do uh, Philadelphia, but it's a full on stay away for me. Um, do you have any per- per- perspective on this Washington-Philadelphia matchup? I don't. I don't. Uh, I agree with you on the defensive side of the ball. The Washington Seawards have their issues there. This game took some sharp, sharp under money, and uh, I do not have any perspective here. Um, I like what I, everything I've seen out of the Eagles. The problem is everybody else has as well. And so yeah. the Eagles are obviously a very public side this week, laying this many points on the road. Uh, I'm just, I just want to see Carson against this former team, right? Like some of these guys have been there the couple of years that Carson was there and, you know, making these mistakes and having these issues and understanding how he deals with 
pocket pressure and presence, et cetera. And so I'm interested to see well, how he fares in this I mean, matchup. That, that's another element to be concerned about because the Eagles defense um, scheme-wise was so good against Minnesota, the pressure that they brought and that they were effective um, with, with a lot of man. And, and you know, if, if that's the position that they put Wentz into, uh, I feel like, you know, we might see a repeat of what we just watched with Kirk Cousins. But look, we we ended up down this C-word rabbit hole because I'm just making this point. They're not a horny underdog because they're not horny. I am, on the other hand, looking at two other NFC East teams. Now, in some respects, this is like an emotional hedge for me because I win. I win if Dallas loses. I win if the Giants <laughs> lose. I detest both of them. I have had a lifetime of, of detesting them. New York has barely beat uh, two O and two teams, and in each of those games, I think you know it's, it was a fair argument that they were um, you know talent wise equal to or, or or worse than. I mean, I don't think that they're leaps and bounds talent wise better than the Titans or leaps and bounds talent wise better than the Panthers. And you know we have Dallas coming in in this very funny position where they were outsized underdogs at home against Cincinnati, and the one unit that really was most impressive in that game. That Dallas defense is fast. It's fierce. They hit Joe Burrow early. They hit Joe Burrow often. And I think that that getting points this, for this for this Dallas team, this Dallas defense up against uh, Danny Dimes. And and look, I'll give credit to to Dayball what he's been able to do to to craft, you know, generating some points really out, out out of thin air. I mean, they're not even they're barely generating two hundred yards passing per game. Um, they haven't scored 20 points yet, the, the Giants. Um, so I, I'm I'm looking for uh, a, a performance by the Dallas defense where they continue to just put themselves in this position with Cooper Rush as a game manager. They, they're not asking Cooper Rush to go out and, and win the game. All he had to do was get down the field, whatever it was, 35 yards at the end of, of um, game last week against Cincinnati. So they they could kick a field goal to win. He was able to to do that. I'm all over um, these Cowboys with their with their pressure rate. With they're going to be put uh, the uncomfortable positions. They're going to put Danny Dimes in, and and I'm just rolling with the boys. Yeah, I think that that is the side for this game as it relates to what money has come in yet. Um, the Giants were laying three at one point here, uh, and. Obviously, that has been bought down well. The Cowboys were a great teaser leg in addition to that. Um, the Cowboys are going to be able to get pressure. That's you, you laid that plan out really well. The Giants are not getting explosive plays. Only four of 128 offensive plays have generated 20-plus yards. That's 3% lowest rate in the NFL. Um, and they're not they're not uh, performing well under pressure, and they're going to allow a lot of pressure. Their pass protection for Daniel Jones is the worst in the league. Forty nine percent pressure rate, which is the highest in the league. Forty five percent pressure rate on non blitzes, which is the highest rate in the league. Um, so, and the Cowboys have a higher pressure rate themselves defensively, which is at thirty percent. Then both the Titans and the Panthers who just played this New York Giants team and got pressure at a 45% rate on non-blitzes and a 49% rate overall. So this Cowboys pass rush is even more fearsome than the ones that have just been getting a shitload of pressure on Daniel Jones in the past. 
I liked him, was very surprised to see how the Cowboys were protecting for Cooper Rush against this Bengals defense, how Cooper Rush was playing in the pocket. Uh, but I will say this, the Cowboys have run only four plays in the red zone, fewest in the league. This per uh, Rich Rebar over at Sharp Football Analysis. Cowboys have converted just six of 25 third downs through two weeks, which is the lowest rate in the NFL. And opponents have only converted five of 23 third downs against the Giants defense, lowest rate in the NFL. We know Wink sends a ton of blitzes and tries to confuse you, tries to create pressure with havoc in that defense and, and just crank up that blitz rate. So I'm excited to see what both of these defenses are doing here. I think this game will be sneaky interesting. I mean, if nothing else, it'll be a, a fun one to watch because we don't really know what's going to happen, but we know that these defenses are going to pressure the offenses. And so we could be mocking at times, you know, Daniel Jones or Cooper Rush. And that could be, that could be interesting uh, to follow along on Twitter. But I have no real betting angle here other than what I liked earlier this week, which was teasing the Dallas Cowboys. Well, they're still available at, at uh, getting one and a half. So you can tease through the three and the, and the seven with a six point tease, right? Yeah, if if you have a one and a half, I mean, every spot that I'm looking at, I think has a one. Oh my so, gosh, that that's like just in the last twelve hours, so money's starting to continuing to come in on, on Dallas. I mean, well, I wonder if that even uh, flips over the weekend. Um, the the other one uh, that I was uh, considering was uh, the the Indianapolis Colts, um, but I've seen arguments on a couple different sides and. I'm 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 too concerned to go ahead and, and and lay it now. First of all, you know there's all kinds of metrics out there that demonstrate that that team winless teams um, who have just gotten blown out, uh, you know, and, and gone scoreless, come back and perform well uh, against the spread. There's a stat out there: team off a shutout loss, and there are three point underdogs in non division games. You know, that that following week. 51, 14, and three. That's nearly 80% against the spread. And that's going all the way back to the early 90s. Um, the problem that I have is that I can't come up with, with um, the version of this Colts offense where they, they do anything. They're last or, or second to last in offensive DVOA. And that's against the, <laughs> the, the, the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, the Colts do have a little bit of, of bright light in the form of Michael Pittman and uh, Alec Pierce coming back uh, to play receiver for them. Uh, they they practice. They might get Shaq Leonard back as well. But you know the, the, the Chiefs are in an, in a weird position. They had extra rest by virtue of the Thursday game. Um, they look to me, we covered this last week, to be slightly outclassed by the Chargers. Um, that Chargers defense was was really good, but. What what we like about the, the Colts defense? There there isn't really anything to dig your your teeth into. I've convinced myself to stay away from it, notwithstanding the big trends that support Indianapolis in this spot. Um, and I know you and Austin touched on it a bit on the Wednesday show. Can, can we invest in any direction on this game? The direction I like was Travis Kelsey prop. Um, I I just. I do not understand, and maybe I'm wrong, and obviously I'm not a defensive coordinator in the NFL, but Gus Bradley here coming out, and he made this comment, this ludicrous comment at his press conference on Tuesday, where he said that points-wise, his defense did pretty well against Patrick Mahomes last year. Now, keep in mind, 
Gus Bradley is the is is using the highest rate of cover three, single high safety in the NFL. They play it all the time. 67% of opposing pass attempts this year, he's used cover three. He used it with the Raiders last year. And two years ago and three years ago, he was coaching the Chargers and he used it there as well. So he's got a lot of experience playing two games a year against Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes carves up the cover three. And last year, the league shifted early in the season to using more cover two principles against Mahomes, trying to take away some of the deeper stuff, keep everything short and underneath. And then they go up against Gus Bradley and he doesn't give a shit what the league decides is slowing down <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. He just rolls out his cover three left and right. And Mahomes absolutely ate his lunch. And then Gus Bradley's asked about it at his presser now that he's in Indy on Tuesday. And he says, I think points wise, we held up pretty well. It was the opposing, you know, it was our, our offense had some turnovers and that made it difficult for our defense. And that's how we were outscored a little bit, but we did, we did pretty well. And I'm like, dude, you gave up 41 points and 48 points in the two games. Only one defensive touchdown was scored by the chiefs against you to help those point totals increase. You forced one punt in like 10 drives in each of the games, one punt in each game. This defense stinks against uh, cover three against Patrick Mahomes. Stinks. It's horrible. Patrick Mahomes splits even this year. Even this year against single high are so much better than when middle field open, cover two, et cetera, coverages where there's two split safeties as opposed to one guy standing there with just cover one, cover three. He's so much better. It's not even close when he faces cover one, cover three, as opposed to middle of field open coverage. And we thought once again, there's, there's rumors and voices and discussion in the behind the scene in the back alleys. Will we see a little bit of a switch to more cover two? Will we get Gus Bradley? Maybe, maybe he learned something. Maybe Frank Reich's going to convince him to use this more. Then he comes out with that stupid press conference and tries to defend something that's indefensible because it's concrete proof that your defense sucked against it last year. And you can say whatever you want you're wrong. So again, I'm no defensive coordinator here. Uh, and maybe all of a sudden, you know, he's going to hold them down. But the one thing that I do know is the way that they had success, the Colts did once against the chiefs was by playing keep away offensively in a game down in Kansas city. And they were able to win that game. I think like 19 to 13, something like that, a low scoring play, keep away type game. That's what this team for the Colts is going to have to do here. There's no way in my mind, and I could be wrong again, that's not going to be the first time, won't be the last, that like Matt Ryan in this offense can go blow for blow and have a shootout and win a game against Patrick Mahomes. Like To me, this offense in its current state, I don't care that you're finally playing at home for the first time this year, you're not set up and poised well enough to go blow for blow. And again, I could be wrong, which is why I think the roadmap for the Colts is to slow it down. And I usually never say this, but I just think that the current state that they're in, they need a big Jonathan Taylor game. They need to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes and they need to try to switch up some coverages and trick Mahomes a little bit or do something other than just cover three, every single snap or, or Mahomes is going to eat their lunch. Well, I, uh, have been convinced to stay all the way away. Um, I, I will say that this is the Colts are like, this is game like the commanders. Like if, if you want to kind of like ride with like what the supposed sharp side is, I've seen a lot of the guys lining up and taking the Colts to, you know, some guys were hoping they could get a seven, but it obviously wasn't able to get 
shifted up that high, but you know, Colts are the side, like the, 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 the side of the game for sure. If you are trying to play with uh, contrarian angles and go with what the sharp guys are thinking, you are just going to have to have a supreme amount of confidence and Mr. Gus Bradley against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's a yuck. I mean, I, I have all this future exposure to the Colts to to win the AFC South and to to win ten games. All I'm really rooting for is a competitive game. I'll accept. I don't need them to win outright against the Chiefs. Although maybe could you could you try and talk yourself into this being a trappy kind of spot for the Chiefs because they had the Thursday night against the uh, the Chargers. Now this lowly Colts team, and then they're up against Tampa Bay next week. I don't know. A- Andy Reid uh, with rest has all of these kinds of of great metrics. Um, so I I don't really want to do anything other than root for the Colts to look competent. Um, We're going to touch on a handful of uh, additional games by way of the exotic portion of of my ticket. If I can uh, pull you in in, in that direction, you know, this, this season I've been trying to be more more sensible. So I'm, I just have a two leg teaser. I have, I have two plays. I have a three leg money line parlay and I have a two leg teaser. This is a sensible teaser for sensible people. It involves a team that is on my do not bet list um, in terms of a side, and that's the Denver Broncos. Um, but I, I'm I'm looking at a situation where I'm taking the Denver Broncos and teasing them from one and a half up to seven and a half, and I'm pairing them with the Green Bay Packers who are at, at uh, one and a half, and I'm teasing them up through seven and a half also. The uh, two main reasons that I'm interested in pairing these two together, low totals in those two games. Um, the Packers, as we talked about, 41 and a half, the Broncos, 44 and a half. So getting through seven points on those two games, sensible kind of, of uh, direction. And then I'm not, uh, uh, unlike we talked earlier in the show, how petrifying it was trying to root for for Mitchell Trubisky to get a backdoor cover in that Browns game. Now, I didn't have hardly any action at all in, in that Steelers Browns Thursday night game, but still watching him in the fourth quarter and saying, is there any way for a backdoor cover here? Not with Mitch Trubisky in this teaser. I have two hall of fame quarterbacks. I have, uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and I have Russell Wilson. Now what version of Aaron of, of, uh, Russell Wilson is it? I don't know. I don't know the answer. He looks immobile. He hasn't looked good. They can't score in the red zone. Nathaniel Hackett continues to be a moron and a saboteur. But for the purposes of a teaser, I am willing to in, indulge this. Seven and a half points for the Packers, seven and a half points for the Broncos. Um, what's your reaction? Yeah, I mean, there's a few teaser legs that I like. Um, I don't think it, it's it's a poor teaser. If you look at what the Denver Broncos offense has done, I think they have the fifth most yards of any team in the NFL. These just have been absolutely horrendous and situational uh, clock management, decision-making, execution, and terrible in the red zone. Like l- literally the worst that the NFL has ever seen, at least in, since 20, since 2000, the only team to have five goal to goes and score zero touchdowns over the first two weeks of the season, since at least 2000, they have no touchdowns in their six red zone trips. It's, it's got to go right at some point. Like this team can't keep calling bad plays or executing them poorly down inside the red zone for that long when they're a team that is gaining the fifth most overall yards. So um, they're at home. They better not fuck it up in prime time. Uh, <laughs> I like Kyle Shanahan, though. I, I, I like Jimmy G back for the, you for me the Niners. So, I know. Uh, so that's the only tough thing about it. But um, 
this is a it's a buy low spot on the Denver Broncos for sure. I just uh, I just have much more confidence and think it's a big coaching match mismatch here with the 49ers. But I couldn't agree over more. A touchdown. That's so it. That, that should make you feel a little better. That's the play. Exactly right. Just give me over the touchdown at, at that low total action. That's all I'm willing to do. And if he if Hackett spectacularly fucks it up again, then it's going to be even more fun um, to come up with with additional ways to bet against him as the season goes along. The money leg leg parlay uh, again, it feels pretty sensible. It's only three legs. We talked about Dallas, why I like them, and I think as an outright, they're perfectly fine. It's basically even money. Um, I'm putting them into a parlay along with my darling, the Atlanta Falcons. That that offense, I I, I continue to believe, really ha- is has something going potentially. We haven't even re- really seen Pitts unleashed yet. But London, uh, uh, Cordell Patterson. I mean, they're 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 moving the ball. Mariota is is a competent quarterback, not you know top notch. But when you're looking at bad teams, this, these are are the two teams um, forecasted with among the lowest uh, win totals of the season. And I think that it makes sense based on what we've seen from these teams through the first two weeks. That you know it's a very skinny line. Uh, I like Atlanta going into Seattle and being Seattle. I just think they have a little more talent on the offensive side of the ball and the, the Seattle defense certainly hasn't shown me anything uh, to be impressed by the third leg to this. And I'll let you um, chime in and tell me which one of these legs you like the least. I'm just playing Cincinnati. I mean, there's a bunch of stats out there. They were favored by a touchdown or more in each of their first two games and lost both of those games outright on the last play of the game. In, in each instance, uh, their offensive line improvement that they were, so hopeful about hasn't pr- come to fruition, but this is a, a get right opportunity for them. A get right moment. The line is under a touchdown against the jets. Uh, the jets had that miracle comeback against Cleveland that Cleveland aided and abetted. They were active accomplices in their own demise. That's something where I give uh, Joe Flacco all the credit in the world for producing that aberration and continued good credit to the jets. I'm not going to talk too much shit against them, Their drafting in this year's draft was successful. Garrett Wilson's a legit player. Zach Wilson to Garrett Wilson could be exciting if Zach Wilson figures it out. So, uh, but I don't think it's going to be this week. So my three-legger, Atlanta, Dallas, Cincy, all on the money line. That's plus 440 in the three-leg parlay. Do you have a perspective on that one? No, not really. Um, (laughs) Do you you like it? Do you hate it? I, I normally don't parlay all these road teams. And I do think that this is an interesting spot for the Bengals. It's, it's been the sharp side. It's, it's been a side that absolutely um, is taking some money this week because they finally go up against a shit pass rush of the New York jets. And this offensive line has been terrible and embarrassing. And I really think that you have the week one game against Pittsburgh and they probably are sitting back and saying, Man, we should have won this game. Like this is fucked up, but at least now we're going week two. We're playing Cooper Rush. Like we're going to be able to win this game. Let's get back on track here. That was just bad luck the first week, and then they got their mouth punched by Cooper Rush and this Dallas Cowboys team. And I, I just think that this is the time when it's sinking into them this week. Like we better make some changes. We aren't as good as we thought. We better fix some things. And they are taking it very serious in this week of preparation to take on the Jets. They're not looking past anybody on their schedule now it doesn't matter who the quarterback is the Bengals are not a good team offensively they're not getting pressure defensively that should wake them up a little bit here and they're finally going up against a team that is struggling to get pressure 
struggling to play good pass defense. And I really think that this, if, if Joe Burrow and crew cannot get it done in this game, like they're, they're probably in for a world of hurt the rest of the season, because this is the get right spot to me. Well, speaking of get right spots, you know, here at the ringer.com, we've been coming up with some very exotic same game parlay action. We'll be doing this same game parlay plus SGP plus with the homies at FanDuel. JJ, Austin, and Raheem, all your beloved friends on the Ringer gambling feed. Each one of those guys are coming up with a two-legger, and it's going to get smashed into a six-legger for the one o'clock game. So across the one o'clock games, you'll see this on our socials, the Ringer socials, Sunday morning, early enough for you to go ahead and fire. This one with six legs takes your $5 beer and turns it into over 300 beers. Like we've been talking about, let's just turn your, your $5 beer, your one beer into 250 beers. We're going, we're going strong over 300 beers this week. My friends, six Whoa. legs, the one o'clock games. I mean, let's, let's just go, let's just go hit it. We'll drink for the whole week. If this one, uh, cash is Sharpie. That's all I got for you this week, buddy. It, it's, it's, it's great to be along. It's great to, to be in some warm clothes. The, the 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 fall food is I can I can smell it you know that the chicken wings and the nachos are coming together and let's just get keep, keep it rolling with this week three you know what else you're going to be smelling tonight at my house we're going to be doing a crab feast and I'm going to be tweeting out a picture of that later oh. today so you're going to be able to check out uh, the crab feast that we're having here and then uh, of course welcome in some fall weather and uh, it's a great time to be in this part of the country as the leaves are going to start turning and it gets a little crisp in the air and all the pumpkin spice tends to start uh, overwhelming uh, <laughs> you. It's, it's a little ridiculous how crazy they go without flavoring, but, uh, you're, at any rate, you got crabs from, from coming from Baltimore, right? Yeah. From Jimmy's in Baltimore, they oh, hook it up every year. And, uh, amazing. this year is later than usual. We had a couple of circumstances, uh, that prevented it from being earlier, but Crabs uh, are still really in season. It's it. Maryland crabs are always in season. They're still in season for this weekend. I'm, I'm excited to check it out on the socials. Uh, thanks, Sharpie. You got it. Uh, that'll do it for us, obviously. Thanks, everyone, for listening. The Ringer Gambling Show will be back on Sunday. Do not miss this special episode. Raheem does every single week. He'll share his top five picks on Sunday morning. And, of course, we'll continue to have content for you next week and all season long. Thanks to Joe House for joining me and to Mike Wargon for producing this episode. Good luck this weekend.